Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. This is episode 73 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is a, a very different episode tonight. We'll be paying tribute to uh, Stan Lee, who unfortunately passed away this week. So there's been an influx of, I guess, of, of reflections and, and thoughts on Stan the man and what he's done for Marvel and for comic readers in general. So we just thought it would be really nice to to share our thoughts, like from the loonies to to the hosts themselves, uh, just to share our thoughts on on Stan because it's such a, a huge, I guess it's such a huge thing that's happened in the comic book industry. I am one of your hosts, High Priest of Conchu Ray, uh, and Conishu, unfortunately is still not with us. I believe he's, I think he was made a, a Herald of Galactus, and uh, and he's stolen a, a purple baby, so he's he's riding around the cosmos somewhere. Hopefully, Connor can make his way back soon. But with me is uh, fellow High Priest Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome. Hi. How are you? How are things? Well, I'm in the middle of a fairly chaotic time, but things are generally... Yeah. Personally, on an even keel. Oh, okay, okay. That's that's good. Better than terrible. Yeah. Um, and we have with us a special guest, Looney, none other than the power of Chad. Chad, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Looney's. It must be known that that Chad is uh is awake in the wee hours of the morning, um, but he. Has been so gracious with his time, uh, and uh, it'd be great. It's great to have you with us, Chad, to talk about Stan Lee. So, I mean, where do we start? I guess on the twelfth of of December, uh, we all learnt that November. Uh, November, sorry. <laughs> oh gosh, we all learnt that Stan Lee passed away, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to grab both of your thoughts as as you received the news on that day. Uh, how was it for you? Um, did you? Yeah, um, Rebecca, were you obviously shocked? I guess. Uh, well, look, he's ninety five years old. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's shocked and there's shocked. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a weird time for me because. I work stupid hours, so no one work this out in your head. But I'd just gone to bed. Mm-hmm. And I'd just gone to bed and I'd kind of settled down. You know, like you just unwind, or I just check Twitter and check this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sort of came up and I was like, oh, my first thought was pretty much, oh, God, no. Um, right, like, yes. I just can't deal with this right now. It's like we've got Brexit going on. We've got, you know, it's just like it's too much to deal with and then i proceeded to spend all the time that i should have been asleep so a good two to three Mm -hmm. hours just um reading other people's reactions and reading eulogies and tributes Mm -hmm. and i not i guess not getting as emotional as i was the next morning when i was like properly awake but just feeling Mm -hmm. a little bit numb and that everyone was saying it better than i ever could and yeah. I tried did, did to find f- that perfect, like, summary of how I felt about it. But I really just yeah. felt that kind of, you know, just just a real mix of, of, of emotions. Yeah. Did you at any point, because uh, I saw it 
uh, online as well, just in, in forums and, and on Twitter and stuff. Were there ever any thoughts that it was a hoax? Or, or, had uh, there been stuff? The first time I saw it reported was from someone I trust quite well, who uh-huh. writes for a used to write for Comics Alliance, um, yeah. and just said very plainly, "I'm hearing reports that Stanley's died." Mm. So then the next half hour was fi- spent looking for an actual, "Is this true?" Like, yeah. you know, because he didn't do it with any links to anything. He didn't do it with any, oh, my God, RIP. He just, it yeah. was a very plain, I'm hearing these reports coming in. Uh, and yeah. then very shortly afterwards, like 10 minutes afterwards, were the first ones that were pretty apparent. You know, there was a few comic people going, I hope it's not true. Then yeah. then, 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 yeah. then came the actual sort of confirmation. And like... Uh, no, I never really thought it was a. I never thought it was a hoax because it yeah. didn't seem to be coming from anywhere. That it was just so low key. That first way I I read it, that it yeah. was just. I didn't really think. Oh my god, I wonder if it's true or not. But I did want to before I said anything. Wanted to go make yes. sure it was true. Yeah, and, and I guess it's testament to, I guess the importance and the impact Stanley has had on fans that. Uh, as you mentioned, Rebecca, he's, he's, he was 95 years old, that people were still kind of in disbelief when they heard the news because, uh, as you say, I mean, obviously he, he is quite advanced. He was quite advanced in age as well, but um, it's just something that you don't want to kind of No, hear, I mean, and, and you get it with, yeah. I mean, plenty of people, plenty of famous people die who are of an age where it's not unexpected. Mm. Um, yeah. Or they've been ill and it's not unexpected. It, it still doesn't mean you don't feel a sense of disbelief. No, because you, you don't want it to be true. You're exactly right. But um, exactly, yeah. It yeah. Just, that's all yeah. I mean is there's a level of shock. Like if it had yeah. been someone who was 20 or 25, my shock yes. would have been much higher. Oh, well, I remember when uh, I was exactly. I exactly remember what I was doing. I was in the office. Uh, just working on a particular project, and I remember when I heard Heath Ledger passed away. Yeah, uh, and that was quite shocking to me. I mean, not that I'm a huge fan, but you know, him being an Australian actor and uh, it being known that he was going to be the Joker and and all that, yeah. uh, it, it did come as quite a shock. Uh, Chad, yourself, like, um, I'm not sure with time zones uh, as when Stan passed away, but did you receive the news? while you were awake and and did you how did you come about it well i work the night shift uh, ah. you know, i've stayed a few times but all of a sudden you know, it's like i'm trying to get to sleep my wife mm-hmm. sends me a text you know it's like yeah stan's passed away and you know yeah. at first it's like you know i've seen the clickbait articles i've heard the hoaxes just ah oh, this again yeah oh and okay first, so you, yeah you thought it was perhaps a hoax yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was going everywhere, checking different sites. Um, there was no one speaking out against it. I mm. think that was, like, the part where it started to actually sink in that this was actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. So it just turned into kind of like a surreal, like, almost dream because then I had to go to sleep. No, after right. hearing this. And yeah. Just, oh, yeah. It that would have been a very strange kind of way to have to digest that information. 
uh, especially being a huge comic fan, as, as we know you are, Chad, as well. Um, over here, it was a bit strange because uh, like woke up to it, so obviously it broke overnight, uh, and I was just checking my usual you know, Facebook, Twitter accounts and stuff, and, and I think I, I first saw it on the um, uh, Defenders TV podcast uh, post, uh, just that there was that Hollywood article, I think that, um, I don't know, maybe one of the first articles that came out. And yeah, it was it was a, a bit of a shock, exactly as you said, Rebecca. Um, you know, obviously he, he's well advanced. Um, there were concerns of his health, you know, recently. Um, he was going through that god-awful uh, legal, mm-hmm. you know, battle and all that. I mean, uh, not to say that that's one's related to the other, but... Uh, yeah, things weren't looking good for him, and yeah, it was it was just a it was just a shock because uh, I guess he he out of all the comic book indus- industries, I mean all the comic book publications and and publishers, he's the most well recognized as a public image and a public figure. Uh, I think it would be fair to say that Stan Lee is quite well known i mean the movies have helped haven't they like Mm -hmm. with all these cameos and he's so ingrained in pop culture now i think as well i mean even people who don't collect comics i think would would know of stan lee well i know eve my partner she she um knows of him and she has no uh inclination towards any comics or any comic book movies so he's really uh he really made a stand for himself um I believe in his public, uh, his public persona, and I guess that's. Uh, I mean, that's something we can talk about as well. I mean, there were also talks of that. One of the things I guess that really I have a little gripe with was that, you know, obviously this terrible sad news that Stan Lee has passed away, and then there's that mourning process, and then immediately, well, not immediately, but a short time after, uh, you get some people kind of it's tall poppy syndrome in australia i don't know is that the same in england and the us that term i don't know um no uh okay tall poppies are basically just cutting down someone because they're famous or they've achieved a lot uh and it just seems to be a bit of a a well a bit of a trend uh and anyway yeah so a bit of a gripe with some people immediately going oh well you do realize you know what he's done. He was a very shrewd businessman. Um, he, uh, you know, there's a, the big creative um, issue about you know how much did he create? You know, the likes of the Fantastic Four, the X Men, um, collaborating with Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and all that. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think his public image. One of the good things that Stan has done or had done, was he actually pushed that image for comics and he and he used his face for it and he kind of promoted comics even through the, the tough years of like the early 2000s, I guess. And I think that's one of the great things that he has done for the industry. Um, yeah, I mean, what what's your take on, I guess, this thing with... Uh, him creating Spider-Man, say, and Doctor Strange and, and Daredevil and that whole discussion about, you know, he's not the sole creator. He, he certainly did uh, announce it back in the day that yeah. he did create all of them. Well, he uh, certainly but, uh, isn't. 
the sole creator no. of any of those things. And um, no. a lot of that was down to the Marvel method, which was, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, is that he, uh, someone would um, do an outline of what the plot was, the artist yeah. would draw it all, and then people would come in and add the, the words. And yeah. uh, which leaves a lot of power in, well, leaves a lot of the storytelling down to the artist. And then, mm. which is kind of flipped now uh, a little bit. And now it's a lot more collaborative and there's a lot more, but mm. um, we'll never really know. There's lots of uh, exactly. court cases about it with Ditko and Kirby Estates. Yeah. And I th- I don't know. I agree with you. I, d- I, I didn't want to read any of it in the first few hours. Let's put it that way. Mm. But I also knew it was coming. Is that like yes. that you're going to get everyone? I mean, you're going to get all the news people saying he created these people. And like, honestly, yeah. I didn't want to get into any of the, the sort of the really deep stuff about it. But like, no. it wouldn't have been hard for many of them to say co-created. And then you can debate exactly, whether yeah. he had any say in it at all. But the, yeah. the thing about Stan, I mean, there's a very good article about it that's come up this morning on, well, yesterday, I guess, on Esquire, which I can mm-hmm. uh, send you a link to to put in show notes, oh, which kind right. of explains the whole timeline, the actual court cases. It, it, oh, takes, okay. it takes a very sort of neutral approach to it. But it's like, I think what everyone can agree, though, is he was an amazing champion for comics. He certainly had a massive impact yes. on comics. They would not have been the same if it hadn't been for him. Regardless yes. of the creations, um, yeah, and like you know, regardless of some of those sort of the legalese, the compensation, the whether he mm-hmm. screwed people out, the whether he did it intentionally or if he was just that kind of guy who just yeah. talked himself up a lot. I mean, like we all know people who take credit for things at work. Like yeah. uh, you know, it, it's not necessarily malicious, but maybe it is but that's it's kind of irrelevant because like he's brought comics to the he he pushed comics so hard he loved them so hard he was in them from the very beginning of like the american comics kind of like that whole thing he had amazing experience of it and he and and i don't think anybody doubts that he was one of the most talented like editors and Mm. his ability to spot talent and if you if you read any of the sort of um tributes from comic creators like current comic creators they were all stories about stan being lovely to them and not just Mm. polite lovely but just sort of saying that was great work or here's a letter that said you know tell the artist i thought it was the best thing he's done was the guy the guy who did death's head apparently he read death there's a really nice letter that the that he posted uh, that stan said i love death's head i think it could be the next big thing tell him you did a wonderful job make sure your art team get congratulated as well so i mean it's just like he certainly wanted to sort of, you know, whatever happened in those days that we're never going to be sure about because Ditko and Kirby yeah. were quite, I mean, Ditko certainly was very, he only made comments about it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and, and his personality. Yeah. And then once you get to the films and his cameos and the com- the, yeah. the cartoons and this whole Stan Lee presents, yeah. it, it just became synonymous with Marvel. Yeah. And, and I think, um, what you say as well, Rebecca, just further with that. Um, I think people draw their own conclusions with with this whole creative thing as well. And exactly like you say, we don't know the details. You know, uh, first and foremost, and a lot of, if not most or all of comic book collectors and fans know, I, I believe they know uh, 
the, the ins and outs of, of Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko, and how there was a collaboration and everything like that. Um, so, uh, you know, although it was announced, you know, back in the day when Stan went for the grab, I mean, and, and let's face it, not not that I want to um, uh, endorse or, or back that type of uh, shrewd behavior, but, you know, it is business, right? It, and it's anyone in that position, I'm sure, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I think it's not out of the ordinary that something like that happened. But I think in any case, we as fans know at least the fact that, okay, he didn't solely create them and there was a collaboration. And so we do pay the dues to, to Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. And we've got we've got Looney Mail here, which we'll read out as well. And most of them uh, make reference to Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby as well, so we all are aware of it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, exactly. I think his legacy is far more reaching than just this creative side. What he's done for comics uh, and for Marvel uh, is is beyond just you know creating the characters. Uh, that's just one component. Chad, uh, just um, for you, I guess. Uh, Stan as a public figure, Stan creating and collaborating with Jack Kirby. Uh, what are your thoughts on on I guess how he's perceived uh, and and his impact in society as a whole? Well, I honestly believe that you know he put himself out there. Like you guys have been going on about, it's like he put himself into view for people to essentially mm-hmm. use as a caricature of himself as the yeah. businessman people you know shot arrows at him and all that yeah. jazz just sends and arrows all day long but he also did so much to essentially create a safe zone like for mm-hmm. other people to come in underneath him yeah and don't get me wrong, in certain scenarios it seems like he's definitely taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also have to examine, well, was it him actually making those moves mm-hmm. to you know, essentially hijack that material? Or was it someone else and then kind of just branded it over? Like, yeah. Was it a different editor that threw in his name? Because, hey, that's just what people do in the business. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah. Yeah, was it him actually being malicious? And it's hard to say. And most of the people involved aren't going to say anything at this point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And also, it's like when it comes down to it, like in the public eye, he's always tried to be a good person, mm. regardless of you know legal battles and whatnot. He's always tried to instill good morality the basis mm. for it mm-hmm. and it's hard to say whether or not that that's just a face in itself or not but that's oh, but his character yeah it's still i think the importance is that the messages as you say that he conveys across and regardless of if it's a public persona or not the, the fact is that he's carrying himself in front of the public in such a way i think is is an admirable thing, you know. Um, him, again, talking about, uh, you know, you've, you've probably seen footage and heard him talk about, obviously, uh, the parallels of Spider-Man and how, you know, teenage teenagers can relate to that or the X-Men being, you know, there's nothing wrong with being different, all those sorts of things. I mean, Stan exactly. did endorse it. And, and it, 
if you can't take that kind of stuff away and if you yeah i mean if you offset that against this speculation as to what he did you know behind the curtain you know in the business uh, it's yeah i mean yeah i i'd tend to look at the stuff that we we do know and we we do know on face value rather than uh stuff that we just kind of speculate on you know did he didn't he do it um and you know give him the the benefit of the doubt um but you know as i said it's it's like it's like business and and the thing with with stan as well i mean uh you know the the big thing with okay so i i wanted i'll just i'll just plug it now as well I've been listening to, there's a really good podcast called Business Wars. Um, I don't know if any loonies out there uh, listen to it. Uh, really informative. Uh, it, go, it actually pits two big companies against each other, and it actually tracks, it chronicles, um, you know, historically what's happened. So, you know, Adidas and Nike, stuff like that. Um, I don't know, uh, Blockbuster and, I don't know, Video Easy or something. But it also has Marvel and DC, the wars and there's like I think there's about oh god there's about seven or eight parts to it, and it actually chronicles uh, um, the rise of Marvel throughout the age and it's a really good reference if you want to uh, just hear about you, you know some of the things that say Stan and Jack Kirby got up to back in the day, uh, it's, it's a very interesting thing and uh, one of the takeaways from that and again it's something that I really like like to pay tribute to Stan was how he kind of, from a small company, uh, you know, I think it was Atlas Comics or um, known before, before it became Marvel, it competed up against this huge Goliath of DC Comics. You had Superman, Batman, you know, Wonder Woman, all that. And Stan actually turned the industry on its head by introducing characters that, as we mentioned before, you can easily relate to the common person so you have again as i said spider-man you have the fantastic four which was very family oriented and it had this dynamic with family drama um you no longer had heroes which were kind of put on a pedestal or were um were kind of on a different level you know like a highly powered aliens or, or what have you you actually had relatable uh characters uh, uh like daredevil as well is actually um really good as well a good example of of how someone with a disability um you know can can rise up above that as well so marvel became really really popular um by actually making it really relatable to readers and where i'm going with this obviously is that um stan also created stan soapbox which was a a regular um I like to think of it as it before the internet and stuff. It was it was how he kind of tweeted, or you know, or how he kind of interacted with fans on a direct level. And anyway, a lot of people um, recall fondly Stan Soapbox and reading that as well because it was it was something that actually brought you closer to the comics. And and I think I believe um, as Stan said, he kind of wanted to make it. He wanted to to, to bridge that divide between comics being this separate thing and you the reader and he wanted to make you feel comfortable like you were kind of talking to a friend and again i think that's just um it just encapsulates what stan has done for comics by making it all that more relatable um for you know for for readers alike um 
Did did any of you read the Stan Soapbox back in the day, by any chance? Uh, well, I would have read every... I read all the uh, letters pages religiously on every comic yes. I ever read. So, depending on... I've, I have no idea who was replying to them, because I was a kid and I was just reading. And to <laughs> me, it was just Marvel replying, whoever was replying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, like the editor. Oh, yeah, could have, you know, like Stan as well. Yeah. Um, Chad, were you aware of the bullpen? Or I mean, there became later iterations like the bullpen... Uh, but Stan's soapbox was the was what kicked it off. Did you um, had you come across that? I only started reading them retroactively when you know I got to adulthood and wanted mm-hmm. to actually cross reference what was going on, personalities in comics. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you hear about different articles to the editor and you just kind of like fly with it. It's like yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's you when you're a kid. All of a sudden, you want to know who's talking, and yeah. you can kind of get into their shoes and understand what they're trying to get at with the comic. So yeah, it only started being a thing to me, you know, once I got out of the house and was actually on my own to actually read these things. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, I think it's one of the really innovative things that Marvel had done, and it was an innovation through Stan as well um and i also want to point out as well this innovation that marvel did um listening to the the business wars with marvel versus dc again uh history tells us that okay so dc was this huge giant right and marvel were making inroads they they weren't selling as many comics as dc because dc had a a slew of uh, of titles right but marvel were i guess per capita were were um, were rising quite fast, and DC actually ended up first. They actually stole, well, they they stole ideas from Marvel. Like they actually, they literally went, uh, you know, they they instantly got together, tried to tried to figure out what Marvel was doing that actually had them selling all these books. Um, so stuff like apparently uh, word balloons on on the covers. Of uh, of the lot of the Marvel books, uh, DC actually thought that was one of the reasons. So there was a time where you actually see DC um, putting a lot of word balloons on their covers because Marvel had done it. But what is really funny was that Marvel stopped that immediately, um, even to the point of uh, the palette of colors on the, on the cover and and within the the comic. Uh, DC scrutinized that from Marvel and they copied it as well. Um, but Stan played this game with them, and he um and he actually changed everything. Every time DC tried to copy Marvel, Stan would do something different, and for some reason. Uh, you know, Marvel was was still gaining tracks with with Stan, keeping things different, keeping things lively, um, and and Stan himself as well. Uh, again, this was this is paraphrased from the Business Wars thing. He um he did say that he he found it quite flattering, uh, and he found it almost as a bit of a cheeky game how he would actually keep an eye on what DC were doing, uh, and if there were anything there that they had obviously copied from Marvel, he would chop and chain things straight away. Uh, this culminated in 1970 with DC actually having a bit of a coup and they, they actually steal Jack Kirby from from Marvel, which was a big thing. Um, because I don't know about you, when I grew up, and I wanted to ask this straight off the bat, and I'll probably ask it now, but 
um, introductions to Stan. When I grew up, um, following, you know, the Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, uh, in the cartoons, uh, in the movies, um, even, like, my sisters and I had, you know, costumes and stuff that my parents bought of it, uh, all that stuff. I always associated Marvel with Lee and Kirby. Like, for me, that was like, uh, you know, Sonny and Cher or something like that. They were they were a real couple for me as, in Marvel. And um, I didn't realise that Kirby actually went to DC. So um, that was a big coup. Kirby was the boss of Stan, apparently, at one point, And then Stan got promoted. Uh, he then um, gave Kirby a role, um, but... Apparently, I think paid him not as much as uh, he probably had before. Uh, there was a little resentment between the two. Um, this is all again speculated on in that podcast, um, and uh, yeah, it culminated in Jack Kirby leaving. But um, they did really uh, collaborate and make some totally memorable characters. Uh, but anyway, uh, Rebecca. Um, First introductions, first thoughts on Stan Lee when you grew up? Like, how did you know about him? Like, obviously you knew Marvel, but how did you come to know Stan? Uh, well, the first comics I read was Spider-Man and X-Men, the original mm-hmm. X-Men, uh, because I'm old. <laughs> I started reading comics in the early 70s, well, mid-70s, let's say. I was born in okay, 1970, yeah. so mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't honestly know when I first went from these are cool stories to noticing who'd written them mm-hmm. or who'd drawn them or anything about them or who wrote yeah. the letters page i just read them so i just you know like mm-hmm. and eventually i think it just sort of like both then all the names just like bled into my subconscious yeah okay. i just all of a sudden knew who stan lee was and who steve ditko was and who jack kirby was mm-hmm. and um we we there's three of us in my family three sisters and we used to get comics instead of pocket money. So, mm-hmm. um, and England got, I, there's lots of stories about how, how, how we got our comics. We got them in totally out of order. Whatever they had, they were all just shoved in digests. And we'd go in and pick. And like the Marvel ones always had more colorful covers. Because on the DC side, the choices were really, I think it was almost always Batman. Mm-hmm. So, which we'd occasionally buy, don't get me wrong. So, the, the Marvel choices were always Spider-Man, um, X-Men, The Avengers, and sometimes Captain America. Mm-hmm. And it was always like, eh, I'm not going to be Captain America. So, we, and, and Avengers we were very in and out of. So, that's why it was sometimes Batman. So, every single week, yeah. we, or every, yeah, every single week, instead of pocket money, we'd have three comics between us and it would revolve around. And, um... So, uh, you know, obviously I started at the right age when he was involved with them and um, we were getting them from all eras. And, yeah, and they were my two favourites of Spider-Man and X-Men. So, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, Lee's influence in there. Mm. Okay. And, and Chad, did you, um, how did you come across Stan Lee as, as being the face of Marvel as opposed to just discovering Marvel? Well, it started with uh, watching Boomerang, which is like a yeah. network of old classic cartoons, and it's like an offshoot of Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. and that's when I started watching the old school uh, Spider-Man cartoons. Ah, mm. 
Is that where um, Stan Lee voiced Spider-Man as well? Did he? No, he, he voiced... did the intros, didn't he? Oh, did he do the intros? Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's like, wow, that's not a Stan Lee voice at all. <laughs> no, he's um, got a very recognisable voice, doesn't he? He did yeah. the intros to something, yeah. not that I, I didn't watch it, so... Mm. Yeah. But, and then, like, after that, I started watching the, uh, like, newer, like, early 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Uh-huh. And that's, like, where a lot of the uh, comic books start actually, like, coming to fruition. It's, like, all these side characters actually would make appearances, not just, you know, kind of shrug off a lot of the rest of the comic lore, essentially. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then from there, it just turned into, you know, 90s X-Men cartoon and all <laughs> the rest of them that came through. And, you know, yeah. it was just, he'd make various, you know, appearances. Well, I'm not sure. just... Sorry, Chad. I'm not. I'm not sure if he did have a hand in it, but I, I did some reading about Stanley's timeline, and in 1991 he was appointed um, from Marvel, you know, to take care of a lot of the TV and the movie uh, component of Marvel. Uh, so I wonder if he did have a hand in in the X Men because they were that um, X Men cartoon of the 90s was was phenomenal, wasn't it? I mean, it, it, it's a lot of people had a lot of fond memories of that show. Oh, yeah. It was very innovative. There was nothing else like it, really. Like, that heavy metal, like, riff intro was just... <laughs> it was yeah. crazy. There was nothing else like it. Yeah. And there was always a character that you could relate to. Like, that's, yeah. you know, like you guys are saying, it's, you yeah. know, what they bank on. is mm. Whatever was going on, there was something that you could attach yourself to. Yeah. You can yeah. see yourself in Wolverine's temper, or, you know, yeah. Nightcrawler's evasiveness, or Kitty Pride's, you know, her ability to just not have to deal with something. She could just yeah. get out of it. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, very smart. And and actually, just on that as well, I had a look on, and I know Rebecca, you had a look at the list of all the creations associated with Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are a lot of them. There are like, a I, ridiculous number. Even if you just and, take Spider-Man's villains, yeah. A I mean, and they're there. they're big. Like they're big hitting yeah. characters as well. Like, I mean, characters that we see on TV today. Like, just off the top of my head, you have Karen Page, Foggy Nelson as well. You've got the you whole, have... We haven't really um, mentioned Iron Man. So there's a whole Iron Man, Happy Hogan, Pepper. Happy Hogan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All that. All lot. those. All those peripheral characters, but all the big ones as well. Mm. And again, of course, he collaborated with the likes of Kirby, Kirby uh, Bill Everett for for Daredevil, and and Steve Ditko for you know the big uh, for Spider Man and Doctor Strange. But I was just looking through it like Juggernaut, like it's an yeah. awesome character. And while he, while a lot of people were yeah. like flagging up Captain America in there, he obviously didn't create yeah. Captain America, but he did. No. He did um, create the Avengers, co-create. He did, yeah. So yeah. there was a, and, a huge hand in it there. So I mean, like, no one should be made to feel bad for like picking Captain America in there. It's a big oh, thing. yeah. True, true. And look, if anything, a little tidbit again, I'm just referencing some of the notes here. Um, Stan Lee's connection with, with Captain America 
uh, in Timely Comics in 1939. Uh, that was a big step in his career. He um, His comic book debut was as a text filler for Captain America Foils, The Traitor's Revenge. So, so Stan, even all the way back in yeah. 1939, he's only, what's it, 18 years old. Yeah. 18 years old. He um he's starting to work on on Captain America and he was actually given the keys to the <laughs> to the um to the house when he was nineteen like not yeah. eight, like to the year after um from what I've read there was a big kerfuffle between the creators and artists and stuff and he winds up being an editor or editor editor in chief of um of I believe it's. I'm not sure if it's timely. Timely, comics or I think. Timely I comics, yeah. yeah. It's timely. I think it's still amazing. Timely then. Amazing. Nineteen, like you know, when I was nineteen, I wasn't doing doing anything like that. So, um, really, really good, really good stuff. Um, look, before we go on to, we'll take it before we go onto a short break and and get into the loony mail. I just wanted to um, posit to both of you, Rebecca and Chad. Uh, you know what to you what what is Stan Lee's greatest legacy what what has he left i mean i know it sounds kind of obvious but there are so many facets as we've just discussed um for you what what is the one legacy that is the most important that he's left behind uh rebecca sorry that you don't have it's to a... be superhuman to be a hero yeah yeah that's good yeah yeah exactly that that's actually very yeah that's very good I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that, Rebecca, but that, that was really, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, th- I think his earthiness of um, it, it's of just it makes characters. it attainable to everyone. It means you might not be able yeah. to go out and fight uh, aliens, you know, yeah. because you don't have the Iron Man suit, mm. you know. Because let's take one of the ones who doesn't have superpowers. You don't yeah, have exactly. the Iron Man suit, but you can still do something to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think exactly. That's that's yeah, that's, that's exactly right. His peripheral characters are just as much importance and is just just as memorable as a lot of his his big uh, big creations there as well. Chad, um, what would you say would be the one legacy for Stan Lee uh, that he's left for all comic book fans and for the greater population? Well, to be honest, I was just going to say that, you know, he created a new line of gods, essentially. Mm. And it it was kind of going to go back towards Mm -hmm. what uh, Rebecca said, you know, that you can be heroic, but you don't have to have powers. Mm. And I was recently over at the uh, Mopop Museum in Seattle, and uh, I was going through the Marvel exhibit with my wife, and Mm -hmm. we dropped by all the old school like clippings and whatnot on the topic of heroism and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's a paper boy Bucky teaching everyone how to mm-hmm. you know stack newspapers <laughs> X amount of height. And... <laughs> but it's true. And I then... mean, like going back to what you said, it's like it, it's not just the point that they you didn't have to be superhuman to be heroic, but it is he he did he did have this huge part in creating a new mythology. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if it, I mean that's how we treat comics now, to a certain yeah. extent. It's Even how a lot to of a... people uh, get involved in Norse mythology these days is through Thor, rather, and then reading more about it rather than when I was growing up, we yeah. read, we read the myths, which is fine. Yeah, but it, it's become this thing now where 
the characters are kind of yeah we don't worship them but they're enough of an importance to us that yeah we, we take moral lessons from them yeah you know we're we're, t- we're told stories of them and we, yeah. yeah you just say moral lessons exactly yeah oh look i was about to take it uh um not that big a scale but that that is totally totally an awesome um uh, legacy there chad i was about to say like pop culture as well like you know how we talk about uh you know in pop culture like the westerns and all that that was a big fad that came and went and that was huge right and it, you know eventually died out um, we're currently living through um, a massive pop culture, um, you know, wave of, of comic book because uh, of the movies. Uh, comic books are still out there, but uh, it, it's more so the movies and, and, you know, the higher profile stuff, which um, has brought comic books in, into the public eye more than ever before. And, uh, and again, with Stan as the face of Marvel, pretty much. Um, yeah, he's just become such an icon in himself um I, I also wanted to just say as well just another little tidbit here chad like you're mentioning um yeah previously about about stan's achievements um the comics code authorities as well back in the day uh in the early 70s stan was asked to write a story on um the bad effects of drugs uh, and and having that in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, comic, the Comics Code Authority were against it because they didn't want drugs portrayed. Um, uh, it was basically just against the code. Anyway, Stan Lee and John Goodman, um, who was one of the editors, I believe, uh, they went ahead and published it anyway. Uh, the story got a lot of traction. Uh, Marvel was appreciated for spreading... Uh, basically a very um, responsible message to society and the uh, comic code of authority then subsequently abolished the code and they allowed um, a negative depictions of drugs in the comics so even then we can see stan um, trailblazing a little there with by pushing the boundaries of what can be done in comics um, yeah and and him and actually at being a tool for social awareness, I think is is um is really good. On top of as you were saying, Chad, about you know the relevance of the X Men and Spider Man and and all that sort of stuff. Um, really really good stuff. Uh, yeah, um, f- yeah. For me, that would probably be the the greatest legacy I think um, that stands left. Uh, he's he's just given us. I guess so much that a lot of people remember through a large part of their lives, especially growing up as well, um, being nurtured almost by the characters, and for him to actually allow um, allow our imaginations and creativity to 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 flourish. I mean, I don't know about you as well, but when I was little, you know, I remember when I was. Um, seven or eight years old i would start making comic uh, i start make superhero characters myself i found it one of the most glorious things you know at that age just coming up with with characters drawing um just you know and, and that's all testament to 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 comics and in large part to marvel and stan so um really great stuff um okay well why don't we, we'll just take a quick short break and we'll come back with, uh, we have some loony mail um, to 
I guess, in tribute to Stan Lee as well. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Yes, welcome back, Loonies. Thanks for joining us. This is our tribute episode to Stan Lee, a great man. Um, rest in peace, Stan, 1922 to 2018. Uh, I am joined by Rebecca and Chad, and we have a bit of mail here um, that we really good to, I guess, read out. I mean, we've always been a very communal thing. Um, at ITK in the Facebook group. Um, so it was really good to hear um, some really, really beautiful words from uh, a lot of the loonies. So, um, uh, Rebecca, would you like it to kick us off with the first one? Yes. The first one mm-hmm. is from Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, Stan Lee will forever be known as a creative genius that revolutionized the entire superhero medium. He made the world believe that superheroes could not only be relatable, but also have real-life problems. He'll always be a Marvel legend. He's our superhero. Uh, And he says, I'll be honouring him by rereading his phenomenal run on the Silver Surfer during my overseas trip. He's away at the moment. Yes, Uh, off in China, I believe. I believe he's there now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much, Rick. I hope you are listening when this comes out. Thank you for those kind words. Yes, uh, Stan... uh, pretty much share the sentiments of, of all of us here. Um, Chad, uh, are you doing anything like Rick and rereading any any runs in honour of Stan Lee? I'm actually still trying to do some catch-up on the uh, Infinity Warps event. Um, oh, okay. Then yes. I'll be going back and rereading. But before we move on, I'd like to say uh, about Rick, as soon as, like, the evening for me that he went on and uh, started the evening of Stan's passing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rick went on and started reading his Silver Surfer run, and uh, he started posting a few things, and (laughs) I can just say that I really needed that at that moment at work. Oh, that's fantastic. Norrin Rad standing up against Galactus, defying Mm -hmm. his will, and it, it felt like the right moment. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's good. It's great. Rick's um Rick's a man of timing. Well done, Rick. Thank you so much for those words. Uh we also have another one from David Finn, uh host, one of the hosts from Signal of Doom, and he says about Stan, a game changer, a taste maker, a hungry creative genius, and the greatest salesman the medium has ever seen and probably will ever see. A true legend whose legacy will last as long as we have these characters and universes to believe in. <clears throat> we are the poorer for his loss, but far richer for what he brought us. Excelsior. Rest easy, Stan. Uh, thank you so much, David. That was um, really good. Yeah, and and totally. I mean, Stan's legacy, 
it's it's going to be like I I think about it sometimes. I don't know about both of you as well, but how long these characters have endured, and um, you know, I get a little um, uh, solemn sometimes, and I think you know, long after I'm gone, these characters will be around because they are so popular. They speak to so many people. They are just timeless, aren't they? Yeah, Definitely. they really are. It's, it's mm. such a monument. Yeah, exactly. So, um, again, thank you so much to Stan for, and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and the likes of Bill Everett and John Romita um, for, for creating all this lovely stuff for, for us to enjoy. Uh, Chad, we have another one. This one's from Connor Shu. It's, uh, there's a chance bad tech may cause me to miss the uh, pod. <laughs> so kind of want to say something now. But there's... The first time I ever found out who Stanley was was when he voiced the tutorial for PS1 Spider-Man game. Absolutely funny, brilliant, and you could just hear the love for Marvel still in his voice like 40 years after he started that company. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Konishu. Uh Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And, and of course, PS1, the Spider-Man game, Again, it just shows, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the hard times when comics were really at a low, Stanley was still there, kind of pushing the agenda, um, really trying to get things going, you know, trying anything. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think that's a really great trait. And I think his perseverance uh, really bore fruit at the at the end, you know, and and it paid off thankfully for for himself and for for all of us and for Marvel in general. Um, yeah, uh, Rebecca. Have... Yes, uh, let me just go back to it. Uh, Jared Hoyler, he says we lost a great man, but he gave us happiness and adventures we can never possibly imagine. He was truly an inspiration to all, and he'll be missed greatly. He'll forever be our hero. Yeah. Shall we do the next yeah. one as well? Yeah, Josh yep. Johnson. Yep. Uh, he said he's glad you guys are doing this. The man literally changed the world of pop culture along with Kirby and Ditko. Let's not forget them. Mm-hmm. Who knows where most of us would be in our lives without their contributions to Marvel. But to Stan himself, he's an icon for many reasons. He was always outgoing and excited about comics. And even during the years where comics got no respect and were shunned and literally burned, he was still out there pushing them into the public. He was also one of the first to treat the readers as people, hosting the comic for you, talking to you directly on his soapbox and in the bullpen bulletins. He taught us moral lessons and how to be a good person. Perhaps the most important thing he showed us is that people can be flawed or different, and that's okay. He gave us the first family in comics, and they had real-world problems that we all have. Uh, He gave us the first teenage superhero who could handle the duties on his own, and that with great power comes great responsibility. He gave us a God that learns humility and what it's like to be human. He gave us a man who overcame his handicap to dish out justice in court with his fists. He showed us a group of people who were outcast and shunned by society because they were different. He showed us how someone who was a horrible person who benefited from the horrors of war turned their life around and tried to save lives and make the world a better place. He also taught us that a shield can be a badass projectile weapon. (laughs) He's taught the world so many things and inspired so many others. The world is definitely at a loss of a great man. No matter what anyone says, he is the greatest superhero of all time. Yes, thank you, Josh. Uh, really, really nice. Uh, yeah, really beautiful words there um, about Stan. Uh, what also comes to mind for me is 
how forthcoming Stanley was, you know, with, with giving his autograph, you know, and, and also taking, having photos taken, um, with him, uh, look, it might, it might piss off some, some fans who were hoping to make some money from, from it, but, um, I think it's just great. And again, showing how Stan would just do anything for, for, you know, for the fans and, you know, um, yeah, anyone could actually approach him or, or, you know, try to, try to get his autograph. So, um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, yeah, uh, we have another one here from Noel Tate, who, thank you, Noel, who is the, uh, the singer and, and guitarist from the Music Deleter, which uh, features on our show. And Noel has a very cool um, reflection here on Stan. He says, I love comic books. I have since I was around seven years old. The first comics I read, I picked up at a pharmacy a few blocks away from my childhood home. They only carried Marvel Comics. The distributor probably had a contract or something. (laughs) The first one that drew my attention was Spider-Man and soon after the Hulk and X-Men. All of Stan's comic book creations were freaks. At a time when our comic book heroes were invincible aliens or billionaire adventurers, his heroes were damaged, poor, down on their luck and societal outcasts. In other words, relatable to us, the freaks. I felt alone as a kid. I still do a lot. I had my mum and dad and little brother, of course, but I always felt alone, different. I'm sure a lot of us did. When I was little, I would climb to the rooftop of the little tin shed my dad put together in our backyard and lie on my back at night and stare at the stars and lose myself in my imagination. A dream of aliens or climbing walls or being a ninja and imagination Stan Lee helped nurture through his creations. His characters and all the ones inspired by Stan's house of ideas felt like they had a part of me in them. The Hulk's loneliness and rage, Spider-Man's guilt, creativity and adherence to responsibility, Silver Surfer's isolation, uh, the X-Men mutants, well, weirdness... All freaks, like me, like how I felt, just supernatural ones. I could hear my own thoughts in their thought bubbles. I could see my own potential and flaws in their deeds. I could feel helplessness and hope in those pages, and I could relate. Relate to such strange tales of mysticism and science gone amok. They made me feel less alone, and to know that at least other people could imagine the same feelings I had and make little drawings and words with the same emotions I had. Uh, Stan put himself in his comics, sometimes literally, and always at least let us know who created these books. Marvel, understand, gave us insight into the bullpen that made our stories and gave us an understanding into and championed the creative soul. I'll miss Stanley Martin Lieber, but his ideas will always live on and my gratitude will survive in the thousands of stories he and King Kirby and shy Steve Ditko gave me and us all so long ago, and continue to inspire into the future. Enough said, true believer. Uh, thank you so much, Noel. That is really touching, uh, and I think sums up and probably describes how a lot of us felt as well. So, um, yeah, really, really good stuff, um, and really, yeah, yeah, it, it pretty much sums up Stan's, Stan's impact um, and his characters. Um, Chad, would you like to maybe, maybe read the last three? They're kind of short. 
Sure. Um, this first one, I'm probably going to butcher this name. <laughs> good, but, luck, uh, good luck, good lucky. <laughs> is it Zhao? Zhao? Yeah, Hoha, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Yanka? Hey. <laughs> um, sorry again, but uh, Stanley was and still is a legend. The man himself taught us many lessons no other person could. Taught us how to imagine, how to innovate. He co-created many characters that reshaped comics, reshaped media in general, and shaped ourselves. Godspeed, Stan. You'll live through your characters. Yes. And the next one's from uh, Dustin Coldcase Kurtz. Yeah. I think the thing that has been most striking to me since his passing has been the stories being shared by various comic professionals about how Stan Lee inspired them on a personal level. He had such an impact on mentoring so many writers and artists, even in the smallest way, that his touch on comic books is going to be felt for many, many years after he's gone. It's hard to overstate the impact he had on all of our lives. I hope you realize that. I think he did. The world is a little less magical without him in it. Excelsior, Stan, you will be missed. Yes. And, uh, and yep. This last one's from Blake Buxton, mm -hmm. and his states started reading in 1975, collecting in 1977. I never got to meet him, but it feels like I knew him. What a man. Yeah, thank you, Blake. Um... I think, again, that sentiment we carry with us as well. Like, Stan Lee has been really in, in a lot of our lives for, for so long. I mean, you know, I cast back to when I was little and, you know, I've got a, I've got a small family now and, you know, um, and uh, he's, you know, his characters have made an impact since then as well. And, and exactly as you say, Blake, never got to meet him, but, you know, just felt kind of like you're you knew him or, or he was, he was a part of you because he was part of growing up. Um, certainly for me anyway. Um, and Dustin, yeah, uh, really, really good point that you bring about, about Stan's impact on mentoring others. Like, again, we mentioned, I think earlier how, how kind Stan was and, and how willing he was to like that death's head guy, Rebecca, of giving, mm -hmm. you know, giving him a go. Um, there's a little thing here as well, a bit later on that, that Konishu actually posted as well, which is very, oh, it was really touching. Um, but yeah, about he, his relationship with others. And, and I'm glad that you called it out, Dustin, because it, it sounded like he was, he was a really encouraging, um, helped others, you know, from his position. Um, and, and that's, that's got to be a good thing. Um, and finally, uh, Zhao, thank you so much as well. Um, reshape comics for sure. Reshape media in general. I mean, you've only got to look at, you know, 2008 onwards when Marvel Studios has absolutely skyrocketed. We're talking, you know, movies now, which, which show diversity, like in, in, in Black Panther, um, absolutely killing it at the box office. Um, it, it's just phenomenal what has sprouted from, uh, from these ideas from Stan Lee, you know, and, and from his humble beginnings, uh, being a, a text filler 
you know, for timely comics. Uh, he, he's really done a lot in that, that long, you know, that long career that he's had. Um, also, actually, incidentally, reminded me, again, another little note. In 2006 as well, I think they marked the basically the retirement of Stan Lee, 65 years in the industry, and Marvel released a whole lot of comics uh, with... With I think with Stan Lee on the cover or, or in the comics themselves, um, yeah. So uh, I think a very fitting way to to pay tribute to Stan and Rebecca. You actually put up something, uh, yeah, recently I was just as well. Pulling it up as well. That um, apparently mm-hmm. a bunch of comics coming out in December and January are going to have a Stan Lee tribute on their covers. Mm. Uh, and it's a massive list. Um, just trying to think which the ones that we're most likely to. Uh, Marvel Knights yeah. is going to have Knights, one. Yeah. Defenders, yeah. the best defense, going to have one. Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, both Spider Man. So Thor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's going to there's a whole bunch of them, but they're not going to be like massive pictures of Stanley. Apparently, it's going to be they're going to be part of the trade dress, which is. The right. bit where it says Marvel Comics. I think they've shown oh, okay. a kind of an, an example of an old one. It sort of said Marvel and then like little Stanley signature. So we don't actually know what it's going to happen because obviously it's happened pretty quickly. I, yeah. I assume that it's going that we'll get a proper uh, tribute to him maybe in February or March. I I, I don't know how okay. long it takes for them to. I, I'm guessing February actually, where they do those little tributes at the back. They did one for Marie Severin. Oh yes, yeah. They did yep. one for Ditko, um, with some of his like most famous panels. So I assume we'll get something. We might even get a memorial comic, but that's uh-huh. going to take a little while to to put together. So in the meantime, yeah. because you know, like, and and that's the other thing we should say is like one of the first tributes that I saw was from DC. And mm-hmm. uh, Image oh, also okay. did that. All the comic companies came out and did it. Comic creators yeah. across the industry have been doing it. Film stars from across the industry who've never been in Marvel films have been, have wow. been tributing. So, I mean, like, it's, you know, like, it was, this was a real sort of cross. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural kind of thing. It's like he mm. was culture for a lot. He, is, he was the face of comic book culture for people yeah. who will never pick up an Image comic book. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, they will still see an image comic book and somehow relate it to Stan Lee. Like, we don't because we're so involved in it. We we may know there's a reason, you know, like what led to what. But, um, yeah. but people outside see comics and think Stan Lee. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, those, those um, covers, which will run, as you mentioned, Rebecca, uh, look, I'll be pretty keen to get, not from any you know, monetary gain or, or, you know, whatever. But I, I get, I think it'd be, yeah, it'd be nice to pick it up um, in tribute as well to Stan. Um, yeah, as you said, just such a far-reaching influence on the greater culture, you know, of, of today. It just, it's just really phenomenal. So um, I think we'll we'll just end on the on this notes uh, and feedback here. Chad, would you like to read out, Konishu actually posted something up and, and again, this is this is a nice little snippet as to, you know, the type of man that Stan was. Um, you know, it's, it's proof here in, in, in the letter um, dated back 1960, 
one, I think, or sixty-four. Um, have you got that with you there, Chad? Is that the Simon Furman? No, no, that's, no. That's, uh, I just added that. I don't see the oh, thing yeah. from Connor either. Oh, really? No. Oh, you may have okay. to do that. Okay, sorry. There was an image uh, that Connor posted up on Facebook. Connor Shu, uh, really touching. Uh, um, and anyway, it it, it just says. Uh, I was 12, I was naive, I mailed three quarters to Marvel Comics with a request for three annuals. The local drugstore didn't carry 25 cent annuals, only 12 cent regular comic books. Marvel returned my quarters and said I should send a check or money order after July. I was crushed and wrote Stan Lee that I was afraid Marvel would run out of annuals if I waited to order after July. And Stan Lee came through. The 1964 Marvel Annuals, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and Marvel Tales were mine. And um, and there's a, a, a scan of the letter that Stan Lee sent this gentleman. His name is Mark. On July 2nd, 1964, it was typed, uh, sent back to Mark. Dear Mark, someone around here is going to be fed to the manta rays for what you, our true fan, have been forced to endure. My grandfather used to tell me stories of how subscription departments could tangle themselves up, but I never really believed them until now. If a fan is interested enough in our comics to send in his money, he's entitled to get them. Not in a month, not after July 30th, pronto. Any reader who has taken as much bureaucratic tomfoolery as you have and remained calm and polite about it deserves some kind of reward. So we're sending you, free of charge, the three annuals you originally requested. We hope you enjoy them, and we pledge this idiocy will not continue. Sincerely, Stan Lee, editor. I think that's just fantastic what he's done. Um, so, yeah, a little snippet as to the sort of person, I guess, Stan, Stan was and how he interacted with fans, and that just carried on um, throughout his whole life uh, and up until, you know, recently as well when he'd, uh, he'd visit comic book conventions. He would um, stand up in front of crowds promoting Marvel, as he always does. Uh, fantastic stuff, Stan. Um, yeah, so, uh, I think that's probably a fitting way to end on Stan Lee and our tribute to Stan. Uh, Looney's, sorry, no Moon Knight related material at all on this episode, but we just thought it was, it would be good to, uh, just reflect a bit on, on the passing of Stan Lee, because it's such a massive event in the comic book world. Um, Chad, any, any last final thoughts or, um, reflections on Stan? To be completely honest, I've done most of my thinking, you know, while at work, I just mm -hmm. kind of subjugated it to parts of my brain to wait until I have a good point, you know, moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Rebecca, any, anything else, um, you'd like to mention? Um, a kind of a bit like Chad. It's it's still not entirely sunk in for me. I have to say, like mm -hmm. reading out those tributes almost brought me to tears, which shows mm. that I've still got some processing to do. Um, considering mm. I'm usually quite oh well, you know, um, life carries on. Um, but I did I did go see Venom yesterday, 
and yeah, totally forgot, I saw that. Totally forgot yeah. it ended on a Stanley cameo. Oh. Sorry for that tiny spoiler for anyone, <laughs> um, but that's really tiny, and it's been out a while now. And um, it was a bit of a, an unexpected gut punch again. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's just I think I've still got some processing to do, and world events yeah. are currently just put it to one side. Yeah, for um, sure. But I'm still really enjoying everyone else's stories and everyone else processing their feelings. Um, mm. And, you know, eventually I'm sure it'll hit me properly. Mm. And, and we do have, I mean, I think CBR reported as well, we do have a few cameos to come for Stan, which yeah. I can only yeah, imagine will be even harder to process, you know, seeing that. Um, you know, I mean... But, We'd like to obviously celebrate as well, just the, the great, the mm, great life sure. of Stanley as well. We don't want to dwell too much on the bad things, uh, on the sad things, but of course there is a process, as you say, Rebecca, that we have to go through. And, and um, but yeah, um, yeah, he, he was a great man. Um, he he gave a lot to everyone, and uh, yeah, he will be truly missed. So thank you so much, Stanley, for everything, and uh, we'll definitely be, I'll definitely be reading comics until I'm well. Past my prime. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for coming on uh, and sharing your thoughts with us. Um, thank you, Chad, as well. Thank you. I know it's very late over there and you're in your den, so I'm not sure how um, claustrophobic you may feel in there and in the dead of night, but thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, just talking about it and uh, uh, fear not, loonies. We'll be back with our regular show next week. Um, so next phase uh, will be a waning crescent. So we missed the um, we missed the trade arc review. We were going to do the Scarlet um, stained glass Scarlet Redemption by J M D Mateus. And I do apologise. I totally butchered his name last episode. J.M.D. Mateus, uh, fantastic writer, obviously a legend in his own right, uh, doing the uh, Craven's Last Hunt and um, and obviously this Moon Knight arc. We will miss that, sadly, but we have the Waning Crescent next phase, which deems it a classic run, and again, another little boo-boo, so we'll be returning to it. Uh, we will be looking at the very first issue of Moon Knight Volume 1, released 1980, this was uh, Doug Manchin's seminal run, which kind of formed how we see well, how we see Moonlight a lot today. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun to do. Uh, that will be next week. Um, so as usual, you can find us on email itkmoonlight at gmail.com. We have a website into the night podcast.wordpress.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash itkmoonlight, and we have a fantastic Facebook group. Please come say hello. Please join. Uh, we won't bite. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash itkmoonlight. We're on Twitter at itkmoonlight, as well as Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Just search for Into the Night with a K, a Moonlight podcast. Finally, we are on all good podcasts catches just uh whatever takes your fancy in in listening to podcasts we should be there uh and i must mention as well uh with itunes ratings uh if you do like what you hear please send us a review uh it would be great if we can get a five star one it just helps us uh 
get out there and, and be exposed to a lot more potential loonies who might be looking for Moon Knight. And we, we still get loony, um, loony members coming in on a daily basis. So um, there are plenty out there. We just hope that they can see our beacon. But thank you so much, loonies, for listening to this very special episode. Uh, once again, um, uh, rest in peace, Stan Lee. Uh, thank you again so much for everything that you've done. Uh, for comic book fans and for pop culture in general. Uh, You will be sorely missed. May Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.